are concluding our series, Unstoppable Faith, Hope, and Love. How many would give a hand clap for all those hymns that we've done in that series? Have you enjoyed the hymns? Yes. People said that's a, a nice surprise, and we like all things and like to do a little bit of that, so we're glad we could do those hymns. Uh, just to give you a little review, we've been looking at faith, hope, and love. And our text for this one comes from 1 Corinthians 13, 13. I'll read it for you here. It says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And we've been talking about this as kind of an unstoppable trifecta. How many know that in the NBA you try to get a trifecta? How many know what I'm talking about? You want to have three really good players, and if you have a trifecta, then you can usually win a championship unless you're the Miami Heat and you choke. Yes, I feel so good. Anyways, um, but you try to get a trifecta. Faith, hope, and love is a trifecta for us, and we want to look at this um, this season, and let me give you a little review. Faith, we talked about is uh, something that is able to look back. with something that we can look back on the cross of Jesus Christ. And in faith, we can believe what Jesus did for us on the cross is available to us. And there's saving faith. And then there's living faith where we live in faith in his promises. Then we talked about hope. And the best thing I could say for our review from last week um, is this. Hope for a believer has an exclamation point, not a question mark. It's not like, well, I hope in God. It's my hope is in God. And hope is a future thing that gets a hold of us. It's a confident belief and expectation that what's in the future is good for us, that God has the best for us, and, and we grab a hold of it, our hope of what's in the future for us, and it gets a hold of us. And we live with an exclamation point as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, the word love that we're looking at today, um, of the three that we've had, faith, hope, and love, I got to tell you, love is the one that is giving me a stomach ache. Not because of the flu. Last week I had the flu. This week I had a stomach ache in studying. Because of the three, this one is so powerful, and yet we do it so poorly. As weak as we may be on faith, as weak as we may be on hope and having the wrong understanding of what hope is, I believe our example of love to this world is so lacking that we've got the third piece that is unstoppable, and yet we're not using it the right way. We're not using it in the way that God wants us to do it. It should be unstoppable. And that's where he says, uh, now abide faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love because our faith will become sight, our hope will become fulfilled, but love is God. God is love. And so when Jesus comes and Jesus appears, there's no need for love to end. Love is going to overflow. Love is going to multiply. Faith will be done. Hope will not be needed but love will be here. But it's such a, um, a weapon for us. It's such a tool for us to use. It's such a, 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 one of the trifecta that will help us to be unstoppable, and yet we don't use it well. And I'm not going to talk about like husbands and wives loving each other. Okay, it's not that type of love. I am talking about loving those that you would say are unlovable. I want you to think right now with me. Who is it that just irritates you? You don't hate them. You just, they're, they irritate. Don't raise your hand. Don't point. You know, you know. Just who is it that irritates you? You just get irritated by them. 
They bother you. You see them, there's something that happens, you get a little something, something going on. Okay, now think about this. Who is it that you can't stand? Who, again, don't, don't point, don't say names, don't elbow your spouse, you know. But who is it that you can't stand? Maybe, let me take it another step deeper. Who is it that you hate? He said, not in church, Pastor Rob. Not at, no, yeah, there are people that hate. There are people that when you say their name, there's, there's hatred that comes out. When you hear them, you think of what they've done to you. When you think of what they are in your life, and you just, they ruin your day. The Bible says we're supposed to love them. The Bible says we're supposed to love those that we would call unlovable, those that have hurt us, those that are our enemies. And when we start loving that way, I believe we have something that's unstoppable. Okay, now, we're not the only ones that have had a problem with, with loving, unlovable people. I don't know if that brings comfort to you. Um, whenever I read the Bible and I see a story where somebody else struggled with the same thing, part of me is kind of like, okay, I'm normal. Anybody identify with that? Like, I'm normal, but then I kind of feel bad that I'm struggling too. And I need to get to the point where, where this was going. So in Matthew chapter 22, if you have your Bibles with me, you could turn there. Um, Matthew 22, verse 34 through 40. Jesus is being questioned by religious leaders, and he's just been questioned by the Sadducees. He silenced them, and so another religious group comes along, Pharisees. They come along, and they want to question him. And this is what it says. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he throws in a, a bonus one after this. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so he tells them, here it is. Everything is summed up right here. And I want to let you know the context of what was going on. The Pharisees were religious people, and they were trying to obey all 613 laws that they had to obey. That's a lot of laws. And so they're caught up in this. We've got to obey 613 laws. We've got to obey 613 laws. So they're trying to obey 613 laws. And as they're obeying 613 laws, how many know you just cannot obey 613 laws? You just can't do it. You cannot do it in your own strength. And so they're getting frustrated because they're breaking law after law after law. So they say, okay, we're just going to obey 10 laws. Ten commandments, the ten biggies. That's all we're going to obey. Just the ten. Let's stick with the ten. Okay? How many know they can't do ten? So they're like, okay. So they start arguing amongst themselves. Can we just obey one? Can we obey one law? Just one. If we're going to just pick one and we're going to obey it 100% of the time, which one of the ten, which one of the 613 is the best law that we should obey? That's the one we're going to do 100% of the time because we can't obey 613, we can't obey 10, but we think we might be able to do one. So that was the argument that was going on with the Pharisees. And so when they come up to Jesus and they say, which one's the best one? They're kind of trying to trap them. They're kind of trying to see which of the ten are you going to say it is. And Jesus goes and summarizes the Ten Commandments in and all 613. He basically summarizes it with two of them. 
And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And, and he's basically saying, when you love God like that, when it's pouring out of love and you just give him everything, you're just going to naturally start obeying those 613 because you're just going to want to do what pleases God. And your love is going to flow out and obedience is, is going to come from that love. And he says, that's so great, but he doesn't stop there. He said, don't forget, you got to love everyone else around you like you love yourself. you got to love them. And how many know that there might have been a whole bunch of people like, oh, Lord, do you see these guys? <laughs> you know, Lord, okay, so do this with me. Here in every campus, look around at the people around you. You're supposed to love them. Go ahead, look at them. You're supposed to love all of them. Everyone that's here, you're supposed to, some of you are like, I could love them. I could love them, you know, all right. You're supposed to love them. And they're thinking, oh, man, I've got to love them. I've got I to gotta do this. I, I, I've got, and then one gospel, it says that they ask them, well, that, like, who's our neighbor? Who do we have to love? Like, let's clarify this because I don't know if they're in or not. And he goes and gives the parable of the Good Samaritan. So he's saying, you've got to love everybody. And I'll give you two groups today that we have to love. The first group is you have to love those that are here with you at church. You have to love those that call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. You have to love the other Christians. You have to love the people in church that say amen when you are silent. And you're like, why do they say that? You gotta love them. You gotta love the person that's taller than you and raises their hands and blocks your view of the screen. <laughs> you gotta love the person that sat in your seat. You gotta love the person that cuts you off on the way to the church and you were ready to really do something until you saw them pull it into church. You're like, love you, love you. <laughs> Praise the Lord with the way you drive. Hallelujah. <laughs> Gonna see Jesus before me. All right. You gotta love them all. But how many know that that's harder than it would seem? I think that's why the Bible's full of commands for us to love one another because it's hard. How many know it's sometimes hard to love the people that you're closest to? You ever have a brother or sister? Man, we used to fight like crazy. Me and my three younger brothers, I mean, we used to fight like crazy. And we had two rooms, and two of the boys would be in one room, and two of the boys would be in the other. And we'd fight and fight and fight, and then mom would shuffle the deck, you know, and you'd have a new roommate. And then you'd fight, and then she'd shuffle the deck again and keep going, looking for a winning combination, you know. And then sometimes she'd just say, get along, you know. Come on, love each other, stop this. And then she'd cry and break down, and we'd, you know, repent, you know, start loving. But you got to love You've got to love the people in the church. It's not always easy. You've got to love the ones that are like Uncle Eddie. And how do you know if you're that type of person in the church? You're the one that we always say, bless your heart. That's kind of a, a dead giveaway that we're, we're having patience with you, okay? <laughs> bless your heart. So glad you're here. Um, you've got to love them. And it's hard sometimes. You've got to love the crazy ones. The crazy, I was at a prayer meeting once, and this lady's like, I just feel like we need to pray against the Wizard of Oz monkey spirit that's flying around the building. And I was like, oh, do I have to love her, Lord? I mean, come on. That's just crazy, okay? You know? I've got to love the ones that lie to me. I got ripped off once by a Christian. I got to love that person. I got to love the ones that betray me. I have to love them. I have to love the mean ones. You know, I go to some church gatherings with other churches, and we go there, and there's people that are mean to us, just mean. And I'm like, I, lo I, I, I love you, you know? Uh, and, and, and they're just mean sometimes. 
And you got to love them. I remember when I was a kid, I thought all the mean Christians wanted to be Sunday school teachers. How many know what I'm talking about, you know? And I was like, I'm mean. I'm going to teach kids, you know? I don't know why that was. But you got to love them all. Not at River Valley. They're the happiest ones, all right? Have you ever thought about that? The church is made up of people that the world would say are enemies. Think about that. We have the 1% here, and we have the 99%. And everybody loves each other. We have uh, people of all races, and we love each other. We have Democrats and Republicans, and we all love each other. We have people that are all different cultures, all different likes and dislikes, all different ages. I mean, think about it. It, The church is one of the greatest examples when it's really loving because we have all these different backgrounds coming together and the thing that unites us is our love for God and the fact that because he forgave us and, and gave us love while we were his enemies, we can now go and give love to everybody. It's an amazing thing and that's unstoppable. That's unstoppable when you love those that are part of the body. And it's, again, it's, it's hard to do, but we have to do that. We have to love everyone, especially those that are part of the faith. And I'll tell you this, I know that the church is, is full of faults. I know that our members are a long way from perfect. But I'm telling you what, when we love each other, we find the love of God there, and that becomes unstoppable to the world. They can't help but see that we're all coming together to worship Jesus with unity, and that is unstoppable, and that is the type of love that we need to have. Now, let me just give you two quick things, words of advice on this. First of all, in this thing, in disputable matters, let's not split the church. Okay, what do I mean by that? Uh, a disputable matter, Romans 14.1 says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Okay, so here we have in Romans, it's saying, let's love each other, and people are coming from different backgrounds, and there are some disputable matters, okay? It may be a disputable matter with piercing, or tattoo, or disputable matter, and we're wondering about this, or that, or the other thing, and the Bible isn't crystal clear, it gives us some things, and Christians have been able to come at that issue from all sorts of different ways, it's not one that's rock solid, like there's salvation in no other name under heaven except Jesus, that's rock solid, that's not a disputable matter, that one's rock solid, but there's other ones where we're just not sure, and instead of tearing each other down, this passage says, in disputable matters, let's just have love for one another let's cut each other some slack matter of fact a a 16th century lutheran theologian said this in essentials let's have unity in non-essentials liberty and the freedom to think differently but in all things we should have love let's not die for a disputable matter that the church has fought over for years and years and we're just not quite sure let's not say man that's the only thing we're going to support and if you're not with us get out of here let's not do that Let's not do that. So that's the first thing I can give you for advice in loving the church. And the second thing, and this is going to help us with the church and the second group, those outside the church. Let's realize how much Jesus Christ loved us, and then let's love accordingly. That's what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, that's all of us, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. 
and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When we grab how great God's love is, we start to love people in the church more. And when we grab how great God's love is, we start to love people outside the church more. When we look at the cross, we shouldn't just say, wow, how much God loves me. We should say, wow, how much I should love the world. Because while we are sinners, the Bible says, God sent his son. And because of that, we have forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And the cross says you were forgiven even though you were an enemy of God. And now that you've been forgiven, why can't you give it to your enemies? Why can't you love them? Why can't you be kind to those people that are outside the church and love them? We love them even if they don't deserve it, even if they push us away. We love them. We can't rebuke them into repentance. We need to love them. That means your ex-spouse. That means your obnoxious neighbor. That means your lying co-worker. That means you're supposed to love them. Here's my question for you. Would you rather God condemn that person or would you rather God forgive them? Because some people are so filled with hate towards people that have hurt them, they'd rather that God would condemn them. They're almost glad, like, I'm so glad there's a hell because they get to go there, you know, and they feel that hatred. That's the wrong thing. That's not unstoppable love. Unstoppable love says, even though you've hurt me, even though you betrayed me, even though you lied to me, even though you come against me and fight me, I still love you. I still pray for you. I still wish the good for you. I pray that God would redeem you. I pray that God would change you. And I pray that you'd know the love that I felt. That is unstoppable. And I know, I mean, there was a time in my life, I hated my neighbors. Hated them. Confession. I lived in Milwaukee, so it's nobody here, all right? Just so you know. But I was trying to split my lot in half, and I had this house. bought this old farmhouse that's kind of tilting. And I was going to split the lot in half and build on this one and have a free lot out of the deal. But I went to city council. They said, it should be no problem. Everybody will pass it. No big deal. I go to city council. The room's full. I'm thinking, wow, busy night at city council. Everybody was there to protest me splitting my lot in half. And all my neighbors said they wanted to look at the green space. They didn't want another house there. Now, I paid for the lot. And trust me, this is a Pastor Rob that has had healing, okay? So, uh, and I, I was just so upset. I couldn't believe that they were all there. And the city council said, sorry, you know, all these people are opposed to you. We're not going to let you split your lot in half. Sorry. And I left there, and, and I kid you not, I left there saying, God, if ever you have answered a prayer with fire, this is one. Kill my neighbors so that my lot can be split. And then I felt convicted. I was like, don't kill them. Maim them. Just maim them. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm feeling totally convicted. Like, really? That's really the love that you have for them? Really? Do you love your lot more than you love them? Do you want them to go to hell? Really? Is that what you want? What kind of pastor are you? And I mean, because I'm struggling. And I'm thinking, like, I, I, really, I was thinking about buying an old semi-trailer truck, parking it on my property, and painting it spray paint, and saying, look at that. Now you can't see my trees. I was bitter. I was bitter. Some of you feel a lot better, but you're scared of me now. But. <laughs> and it was there that God was like, really, do you think that, do you think that I want to call it on fire? Because I don't want to call it on fire. I want them to know me. Do you think your example is ever going to win them over? Because it's not. And I had to let it go. I had to let it go. Maybe you can identify. There are people, you have to let it go. You have to let it go. 
and let God show his love through you. One of the greatest examples I've ever heard, and I will not say the person's name, but they part of our church. He came up to me, he said, Pastor Rob, thank you for leading me to Jesus. You saved my life and you saved the life of my ex-wife. And I said, wow, that's great. Did you both come to faith? He said, no, I did. And he goes, and I didn't kill her. And I said, oh, wow, yeah, divorce is tough. He goes, no, no, seriously. He goes, I had a plan. I was going to go kill her. And somebody invited me to church. And I came here, and you gave an altar call and gave an opportunity for me to give my life to Jesus Christ. And I did. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I decided I wasn't going to kill her. And I showed up at her house, and I brought her all this stuff that I fought for in the divorce that I knew was really hers. And I brought it back to her. I said, I'm sorry. I'm a changed man. I fought for you. I did wrong. I, and, and he said, so I, you saved my life, and you saved hers. Man, that is unstoppable love. That is unstoppable where she's just like, wow, what happened to you? You brought me back all this stuff that you fought me for, and you know Wow, and, and maybe she didn't give her heart right then, but how many know she had to have moved one step closer to Jesus? That's unstoppable love. And some of you are like, Pastor, is he here? Yeah. <laughs> he goes to our fair, no, I'm just kidding. He's gone, no, he's forgiven. He's forgiven and he's changed. That's unstoppable. That's unstoppable. That's the type of love, faith, hope, and love, love that's unstoppable that says, I will love the people the world says I'm supposed to hate. And when they attack us, it only draws us closer to God, and it does. It has to bring them one step closer when we love them back. has to. When we love our enemies, it shows that we're really in the kingdom of God. And I can tell you this, as followers of Jesus Christ, we cannot live and love like the world does. If we live and love like the world does, that is not unstoppable. What's unstoppable is when we live and love differently, when we go over and above, when we forgive our enemies, when we love those people that have done wrong to us. So let me ask you this. Who do you need to love? Who do you need to do good to? Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to pray for? Because God wants you to do something with this sermon. God wants you to do something with this sermon. He wants you to ask forgiveness. He wants you to do something kind. He wants you to make the call. The family reunion is not the same without this person. Your coworker needs the forgiveness. They need to know the person that ripped you off needs to know that you have an unstoppable love. Not a love that's just like the world's. With this in mind, I want to read as I close 1 Corinthians 13. Verses 4 through 8 with a little commentary. I'm reading from the message, and then I'm adding my own commentary to it. This is unstoppable love, a love that will never give up on people. This is unstoppable love that cares more for others than for self and is sweet to all people. Unstoppable love doesn't want what it doesn't have, and it's okay if others have it. Unstoppable love doesn't strut and brag on their self. Unstoppable love doesn't have a swelled head and think they're more important than other people. Unstoppable love doesn't force itself on others, but it's polite and winsome. It isn't always me first, but it remembers that we have responsibilities. It doesn't fly off the handle with people. That is unstoppable love. Unstoppable love doesn't keep score of the sins of others, but lives a life of forgiveness. 
It doesn't revel when others grovel. It doesn't delight when bad things happen to other people. Unstoppable love takes pleasure in the flowering of truth and it celebrates the truth all the time. It puts up with anything and always believes the best in others. Unstoppable love trusts God always, always looks for the best in every person and situation, never looks back, but always looks forward in hope. Love keeps going to the end and not just getting by, but thriving with a song of praise. Love never dies because God is unstoppable love. So Lord, I just pray right now for your church and I pray here and at every campus. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would have unstoppable love. I pray that we would love those in the church that are different than us. We'd love people of different ages, different races, different economic backgrounds different political backgrounds. Lord, we love anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord. And we realize that we are different, but Lord, it's the love of Jesus Christ that brings us together. And I pray there'd be great unity in our church. And I also pray, Lord, that we'd love our enemies. Lord, there are people that you brought to our mind. They made our stomach turn over. We know exactly who they are. We know their name. And it hurts to even think about it. But Lord, we want to love them because you have loved us and forgiven us. We can't help but love them and forgive them. I know I can hear people, Lord, in their mind even right now, but what if they do it again? What if they do it again? Then we'll forgive them again and we'll forgive them again and we'll forgive them again and we'll be more like you because you have put up with us over and over and over again when we've blown it. We'll rise above the things of this world and we will be unstoppable with the love that Jesus Christ gives us. So help us, Lord. Help us to love those in the church and those outside the church and help us to be unstoppable as we give your love to this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.